it's, sometimes it's hard for us to tell you what is good, but we know when it's not, right? We know when it's not. It's clear. So it's, this should be evident. Which one is the good and which one's the bad here? Uh, so what is goodness? Unless you See, it's not so easy, is it? It's not always so easy. Some of you dear deluded ones think that the orange one's the good one. Those of us who are saved and sanctified know that it's the garnet and black. Uh, you know, it's, it's a God thing. Uh, we'll pray for you. We will continue to pray for you. Uh, and then some of you are Florida fans. I'll never get that one. But uh, we'll go on. Love you, Ron and Jim. Love you guys. Uh, yes, they did. Whooped us up in, that, in, in the, world, uh, the SEC tournament. What's goodness? What is it? Not being bad. Okay, let's go home. Well, don't be bad and you'll be okay. Uh, to understand goodness, you really have to understand its root word. What is good? So what is good? Well, here's a definition for you. It's something that meets a predetermined standard. Okay? Uh, anybody ever heard of quality control? There's somebody at the end of the assembly line who says... This one meets the standard. This one goes to the Ross outlet or the, the Burks outlet or the, we, we tear our name, our label off of it because it doesn't meet our standard, but we'll still sell it to somebody. But we can't call it our brand because it doesn't meet our standard. There's a stitch that's not quite right. It doesn't fit quite right. It has a frayed end somewhere. It doesn't meet our standard. It's not good enough to be called good. It's not good, so it's bad. It's rejected. It's bad. Uh, hopefully, you weren't labeled that as a kid. I think we do that. We see a kid and we just said they're either good or bad because they meet a certain standard. And I think a lot of times when we do that, we actually pigeonhole them into being that subpar, that substandard kid. That's one that doesn't meet our expectations because we then don't expect anything out of them, do we? Hopefully that wasn't your experience. But it's true that there is a standard. And there is a standard in life. <clears throat> We're judged by, <clears throat> sometimes today, how many degrees we have, how much we make, what position or title is on our door or on our business card, what car we drive. You know, I, I had the awesome, amazing privilege of just being the envy of everyone in my high school by driving in 1990 and 91, my senior in high school, a 1980 lemon yellow Ford Fiesta three-speed. It was not a good car. It didn't meet any standard anywhere. Uh, it was not good, uh, but I, I made it through. There are things that are good. There are things that are bad. There are things that meet the standard. There are things that don't meet the standard. And there is a standard in life. We also live in a world that says, well, that standard's variable. What's good to you isn't good to me. We now have how many channels on our station? So if we don't think that's good, what we do, we just flip down 600 channels lower and we can see something else that we think is good. If we don't like it that way, we can get it this way at the restaurant. What's good for you may not be good for me, and that's okay, right? Well, not completely, because there is a standard for what good is. 
and that's God. Scripture tells us that we should give thanks to the Lord. Why? Give thanks to Yahweh, for He is good. He is the definition of what good is. He is the ultimate standard by which everything else is judged. Well, that's not fair. It's not. But God sets the definition of good by who He is. And so everything else that wants to be good then begins to say, in light of God's goodness, where am I? You know, when we begin to think about that question, we realize, uh, hey, I'm a good guy, but I don't know if I'm quite good enough. You know, have I done enough good things to outweigh the bad things? In the scale of my life, hopefully I've done enough good just to tip me over the scale. And that's the, whole, the way the whole Jewish law system worked. You did enough good things and you were good. If you failed to do those good things, then you didn't meet the standard. You were bad. But the, 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 the problem was that nobody seemed to meet the standard. The more they tried to meet that standard, the more they realized that it was impossible. Nobody can be as good as God. So there was a young man who came to Jesus one day. Matthew tells a story in chapter 19. And he asked this question, Teacher, what, what good deed, what's, what's the good deed I have to do? What good thing do, can I do to have eternal life? I know there's a lot of them out there. There's 613 now. Used to be 10. Now we've, we've made them more elaborate. Which one good deed can I do that makes sure I eternal, get eternal life? It's a good question, right? If there was one good thing that I could do to make sure that I could make it, what would be that good deed? And Jesus says this simply, why do you ask me what good it is? There's only one who is good. Basically saying, and you're not him. Only God is good. And we're not. Paul was an interesting guy. He was a Pharisee before he became the Apostle Paul that we know. And as a Pharisee, this is the way the Jewish educational system worked. All the young, young kids went to, went to rabbi school. You learned by hearing the, the Scriptures. And by hearing the Scriptures, you would then memorize them. And by memorizing them, you would learn the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. You begin to ingest that. It would become who you are. You would memorize that Scripture. And there would be some that would be picked out as they were got older, 12, 13, to say, okay, you guys are really good at this. You really understand the law. You, you're taking it in. The others would, would find a trade, become a carpenter or a fisherman or, or a seamstress. You would just go do other things. But the ones who were really good would then go on to memorize the other books of the Old Testament. By the time you became what they called a Pharisee, you would memorize the first five books of the Bible plus the prophets, plus the writings. That means that you, you memorize the Old Testament, basically. And then you would memorize what the rabbis of tradition had said about those. So you could then quote what Rabbi so-and-so said about, what Rabbi so-and-so said about Genesis chapter 3. You could do that. Amazing ability to understand, comprehend, and memorize Scripture. This was, this was Paul. Loved the law. And he asked this question to himself. He says, you know, Everything that I earned, I, if anybody was going to be good in life, it's me. And then he begins in Philippians chapter 3 to, to list his pedigree, his resume for everybody. He says, though we put no confidence in human effort, 
though I could have confidence in my own effort if anybody could. He's basically saying, not to brag, but look at this. Are you ready for it? Here it goes. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Sound a little cocky there? Well, it's because he could back it up. I was circumcised when I was eight days old, just the way it was supposed to be done. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand strict, the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I got it right. Nobody else may have gotten it right, but I did. And then he says, I once thought these things were more valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Basically what he realized, that everything that stacked up in his good side, he had the best stack of anybody ever. Nobody could have done more. Nobody could have been better. He was as good as it gets. But yet, in relationship to God, it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. In his uh, description of a, the, the pre-Christian state of us, of, of how we are without the gift of the Spirit leading us in Romans chapter 7, he basically says this, I know that nothing good lives in me. Anything that I have as good is just a sham. It's not truly good. It just doesn't add up to be enough. Well, that's where the cross comes in. You see, Jesus was good enough. And he being good enough actually took on what we didn't have, what we lacked. He took on our sin and made a way for us to then be good. Going back to Philippians, Paul wraps up that section by saying, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. He says, I don't believe Him. I, I can't rely on my own goodness because that's not going to get anywhere. Rather, I rely on the goodness that comes from Christ. What God through Christ has made me now. And I can only come that way through faith, that free gift of faith. There's nothing I can do to earn it. It's an actual, absolute gift given to me, did nothing to earn this. And just because I have this pedigree that may be better than yours, I'm no more worthy of that gift of grace than you are. In fact, I'm no more worthy of that grace of, gift of grace than anybody who's ever walked the earth. I'm no more worthy of that gift of grace than someone who's sitting on death row. I'm no more worthy of that gift of grace than the homeless guy who lies in the gutter each night. I'm no more worthy of that gift of grace than the drunk who spends all his money on booze and can't support his family. 
I'm no more worthy of that grace, that gift of grace, than anybody. None of us are good enough. But the amazing good news of the gospel, and you know that word gospel, you know what it literally means? Good news. The amazing good news of the gospel is we don't have to be good enough. Stop trying. Believe and ask Christ to come into your heart and to make you good. So what do we do now? Well, how many of you, is there anybody here who really likes peanuts? Really, 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 really like peanuts? You've got to raise your hand high here. How many of you like caramel? How many of you like peanuts and caramel together surrounding a gooey, luscious nougat center? Darby, come here. Darby's about to, to salivate here. You're not allergic to peanuts, are you? Okay, well, hopefully not. Come here, come here. This is your lucky day, buddy. Because I have a payday candy bar here. And this is no ordinary payday candy bar. It's a king size. Uh, which means it has, I'm not going to tell you how many calories it is. But, but I'm going to give this to you, okay? And it's special because it's a limited edition, one of a kind, king size payday. You see... In all the history of candy making, in all the world, there has never been a combination of sweet and salty, crunchy and soft, that's been put into one package like this one. This is it. This is the ultimate candy bar. I mean, this is going to be the most amazing experience you'll ever have, eating anything. This is it. This is what life is for right here, okay? Inside this, you will never be the same. I promise you. But don't eat it. Because then you're going to ruin its value. And make sure that the, the package stays pristine because this is a collector's item. Because there'll never be another one like this. This is one of a kind. Okay? So, so you, you can get a, one of those clear boxes. You know what I'm talking about? And this means that I can go on Pawn Star? Or you, you, yeah, take it to Pawn Star and see how much you can. Yes. You, you, Sell it. You won't want to do that. You're going to want to keep this on your shelf. You want to point to the grandkids and to the great-grandkids and say, it's just granddaddy's payday. Right there. That was it. It's amazing. It tastes wonderful. It is so good. This is good. If there ever was anything good, that's it. Well, how do you know? Because... Granddaddy said it was. How'd he know? Because the preacher gave him a load about how good it was. And he put it up on the shelf one day. What good is something that's good if it's of no benefit? What good is a candy bar, even if it's the best, most expensive piece of candy, if it just sits on the shelf and is never eaten? Darby, you can, you can have that. And actually, you, you can eat it, I promise. It's okay. You can have it. Actually, I want you to. Don't eat it now. There may be somebody who, who might be allergic to food. Just wait till afterwards. Can you give Darby a good thing? Thank you, Darby.
going to be a shadow box one day with... <laughs> Darby, it's, it's on sale for 75 cents. That's what it's... It's not even worth that, you know. It's, um, Paul says, okay, God's made you good. And what our tendency is to do is, okay, God, thank you for that amazing gift of making me good through your goodness, and I'm just going to sit up here on my holy shelf and never be used by anything. I don't want to be smudged. I don't want to be messed up. I'm going to sit here in my pristine packaging. I don't, I'm going to be in my original box. I'm not going to take it out of the plastic wrapper. I'm not going to be defiled by the world out there. I'm just going to be isolated, and I'm going to be good all right here. I'm the, Thank you for your, your goodness in my life, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But Paul realized, dude, you can't do that. That goes against what the definition of goodness is. It meets a predetermined standard so that it can benefit those for whom it was made. If something is good, then it has a purpose in being good. And it's a benefit to others. So, Paul in chapter 12 of Romans says to this to his folks, don't think you're better than you really are because, you know, the ultimate judge of who good is is God. And though God has made, done, made you good spiritually, you still don't measure up to him yet. So, so keep a level head here. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. If you want to begin to evaluate yourself on how good you are, how big is your faith? I love, uh, love the way he then tells us, what's that look like in life? What does a life that is being used for good look like then? What is a good life that's been ripped open and used, eaten, savored, enjoyed by others look like? Well, he tells them to do this. And uh, I want you to take note of this and to see how, this is easy, this is cake. We'll have no problem with doing this. Uh, we'll all sign up on the dotted line for this today, okay? All of you will, because this is going to be easy. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Okay? Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our, comfort, in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We good so far? Okay. When God's people are, are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Hey, I'm Okay. We're starting to have problems there, right? Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of the ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but 
you conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by allowing the Holy Spirit to produce such goodness in your life that it overflows in good deeds that benefit others. I want to ask you this question. It's a tough question to answer. How can you do that? That's impossible. How can you love your enemies and pray for them? How can you always be given to everyone in need? How can you always have patience? How? How can we always do good? How can we do that? Well, before he went into that description of what Christian life together is supposed to be like, the good life together, he tells us in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 of Romans. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You want to know how to live a good life in this world? Sacrifice yourself every day. Make yourself a living sacrifice. And I want to tell you that there is another, another standard out there that people are going to judge you by. It's a standard of the world. And it's so easy to get caught up by that standard, but Paul reminds us, don't ever be get caught up in being judged by that standard. Don't be squeezed into the world's mold, but instead... Be transformed. Let God transform you by the way you think, by changing the way you think. Let Him change you from the inside out, from your thoughts down to your actions. Let Him make you good daily and give you the desire to share that goodness that you've experienced from Him daily. Be good. Do good. Because of the goodness he's shown you. How much better is your home because you're in it? How much better is your home because you're a part of it? Are you benefiting the home? Are you making it a good home by the way you live? Are you allowing the the Holy Spirit to, to share His goodness through you? How about your work? Some of you hate where you work, I know. I I feel blessed that I do I love what I do. I've I've been in places where I didn't love what I did. But no matter where we are, how much better is it because your goodness is there? Is it better off? When you're in school, how much better is the class because you're there? How much more clearly can God's 
goodness be seen in that class because you're a part of it. And then, when we gather here today, how much better are we because of the goodness that you're contributing to it? The good attitudes, the willing heart, the spirit of worship that you bring, that desire to, 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 to live in God's word through the week so when you come Sunday, it just comes alive for you. Goodness. There is none of these good deeds that you can do that will ever get you to heaven. But James reminds us that faith without good works, without good deeds, without actions, is kind of like a payday that you just sit up on the counter that you never eat. It's worthless. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. I ask you just to bow your heads where you are. When I asked that question earlier, how much better is your home because you're in it, your workplace, your class, whatever environment you find yourself in, is it better because you're there? Are others benefiting, not just because you're doing a job, but benefiting spiritually, benefiting in their life because you're there? For the Spirit is goodness, then we need to live a life that exhibits that goodness in every situation. I want to pray for you today. Pray that that becomes your defining characteristic. So one day when we gather around and talk about you, we'll say they were just a good person because they exhibited God's goodness in their lives. We pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that uh, it doesn't play around. It just speaks truth into our lives. And Lord, sometimes it's hard to hear that truth. Lord, my prayer is that your goodness would be made evident in my life. Lord, I've received your goodness. I've received your forgiveness. I've received the goodness of your spirit guiding me through my life, the blessings that come from that. Lord, I've received your goodness. But Lord, help it to, to translate itself into to goodness that shows in my life. Lord, make me good for a purpose. Purpose of influencing others. Lord, I pray for everyone here, Lord. If there's one here today that, that has tried to, to measure up on their own standards, Lord, help them to realize right now that they can't do it. And maybe in this moment, that they would just completely trust you. That they would take your goodness on your sacrifice for them, and that they would stop trying to, to measure up themselves because they never will. Lord, help them to receive that amazing gift of grace in their lives. But Lord, for those of us who've received that before, help us then to allow your spirit to make itself manifest in our lives in so many different ways so that wherever we go, whatever we touch, wherever uh, we face, People can just look at us and say, they're just an example of God's goodness. They're good people. Not because of anything they've done on their own, we would say, but because of God's goodness in our lives. May that be our testimony, Lord. Go with us from this place. Help us to, to continue to, to wrestle with this as we go through the remainder of the day into our grow groups. 
as we discuss your word with us today, Lord. And may everything that we say and do point to your goodness. Thank you for walking with us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.